Ooh, what a lovely sound. Hey, you know. It's not a great beer, I'm gonna tell you that. Aww. <laughs> Was that a surprise or expected? Uh, expected. It's a good, it's a good beer company. And it sounds good. Wait, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna make a guess about what it is. It's, uh, is it a Narragansett? It's not a Narragansett. <sighs> Alright, never mind. Tell me. <laughs> so, I, I'm drinking this, uh, like, New Belgium watermelon and lime ale that tastes nothing like watermelon oh, or lime. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that one. Yep. And I, I tend to like New Belgium stuff. This one, yeah. it's just like, I'll, I'll drink it, but I got, like, no association with what's on the label. Yeah, uh, well, you know, um, New Belgium is a company, is a brewery that makes many things. And some of it, uh, some of those things are quite good, and some of those things are all right, and a few of those things are just not that great. Not so premium? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all right. You, you're you going to have some hits, uh, you're going to have some misses. Yeah. So, so hey, happy uh, happy 4th of July. Oh, yeah, yeah, you too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How uh, how did that go for you? It was uh, it was really nice. It was nice to get some uh, some chill time. Um, I've been really tired lately. I've been recovering from a month of UCI track racing. <laughs> I'm just gonna drop that in there. So I'm 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 like I'm deep in a hole and I'm climbing out of it. Mm. And it was really nice to not have to go to work yesterday. That's very true. That's very true. It's uh. You know, pretty pretty nice to have like a mid midweek day off. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, oh, wow. What if there were two weekends? It's it's. I mean, it's not only that, but I'm also off on Friday, flying to Atlanta to race bikes. So it's like I don't. I'm I'm getting work done at work this week, but I'm pretending that I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> You're sort of putting in your bare minimum appearance. I mean, yeah, I'm 34. There's not a whole ton of time I can like still skate by being a, a bike bum. But I figure I might as well do it while I have uh, a job where that's acceptable. Hmm. And while I'm like, you know, reasonably quick enough for it to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's logical. I, I'm, I'm hoping to. Take advantage of uh, that sort of situation. Maybe later on in the year, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, are you a? Uh, do you prefer a certain autumnal cycling discipline? <laughs> Have you heard that about me? Uh, I've heard something. No, it's true. Actually, on that note, uh, I had that moment just the other day of realizing. Well, at first I said, "Oh, it's like July now." And I said, oh, shit, I need to get my cross bike operational. <laughs> because, see, look, this is not, um, this is the Honest Bicycle Program, by the way. This is the Honest Bicycle Program. Welcome to the Honest Bicycle Program, and we're happy to keep you company on your bicycle ride, or your commute, or your work day. Yeah, yeah. Or your drive to the crit. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening to us, um... You know, we're, we're here for you. So anyway, 
The point of... Oh, and I'm Greg, and uh, that's uh, Mattia, right? Yeah, yeah, close enough. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. we'll, we'll work with that anyway. That's so anyway, this is not to do... Uh, this is not a hashtag CX is coming episode. And it's not even about... It's not even about crosses coming, you know, so before you, you guys, you can put down your pitchforks, put down your torches, uh, put them out first, please. Don't want to put down a lit torch, but put it down. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, if you're, uh, boy, I don't want to be too uh, hoity-toity about this, right? But when you devote yourself to a certain discipline, uh, you need to spend more time thinking about it than the, you know week two weeks before the season and after the season because mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah i mean things matter skills matter you gotta you gotta start working on those skills in july or maybe june depending on who you are uh yeah you know you, you can't let it get too rusty because uh every you know it all counts it all counts that's all i'm saying i, I want to be able to get my bike out and ride on some trails here's here's the thing that i've always struggled with about cross Okay. Is that if, if you want to take it seriously, and by take it seriously, I don't mean be a certain category or, uh, you know, race UCI races. By take it seriously, I mean, like, there's an event that you're targeting. Uh, maybe you, you travel to a bike race and you race two races on one weekend, right? That's what I mean by take it seriously. Well, or, and, or, and you just want to, you know, you want to develop your abilities mm-hmm. in a discipline i would say yeah you're, you're you're not just phoning it in and having fun like you're you've got some type of ambition regardless of where you're at yeah if you do that you need more than one set of wheels mm. you, om- you you almost certainly need more than one set of wheels and at a certain point you risk just wasting money if you don't have more than one bike and and that's like kind of a bummer. And the reason why I say that, I, I I don't believe that for most disciplines, right? But if you pre-reg for a weekend of bike racing, and if you've got your one bike, right? You got a nice one bike drivetrain. You've got some decent tubulars with great all-around tires on it. Mm-hmm. And it's raining like hell, and it's a mud race. Then like. You're kind of throwing away that race weekend by having suboptimal equipment. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It, it's 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 tough because you know it's funny how Cross got that uh, reputation as the wrong what you brung kind of um, everybody chill discipline, and you can do it that way. Like you know, you can race Cross. You know, you could show up on your road bike, I guess, like if you want to. But um, it's very very hard to get anywhere and i don't just mean like in terms of upgrading but <laughs> really make progress without uh investing you know arguably more in your equipment because like you know things happen and you might flat and you've got two raises that weekend you flat on saturday uh what are you gonna do do you have a plan you know yeah so or yeah like you said if it's it's muddy and you have, so, I don't know, you have some, like, baby limuses or something? <laughs> it's it's not to say that, like, you couldn't necessarily race, but it's going to be hard. I'm, I'm, reminded, I'm reminded of this because I, uh, I 
re-met at a wedding this weekend. A uh, very nice guy from Lincoln, Nebraska. I think Lincoln. Or one of the other ones. Anyway. I mean, who, it's pretty uh, much Lincoln. Maybe Kansas yeah. City. Or Omaha. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think Lincoln. Who um, responded to a tweet of mine while I was at a pretty snowy jingle cross three years ago saying, Hey, can anybody loan Heidi, my sweetheart, some mud wheels? And he was like, yeah, sure. Friend of a friend. All right. Um, and, you know, I, I think ideally most people also, you know, maybe have a, a teammate who could do that. I, I certainly would do that for uh, teammates and friends. And I've, I've loaned, you know, race wheels, dragon road and, and cross. Um, but Heidi was able to have a really great ride on mud wheels where I was still using Griffos and I just slipped and slid around, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, that can be a fun way to race a bike race, too. But when your race involves a pretty... Uh, twisty, steep descent off of Mount Crumpet mm-hmm. in the muddy, snowy mud snow. Uh, it's terrifying. Yeah. If you if you have neither brakes nor grip. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Ideally, you have one of those. <laughs> uh, ideally, you have both of those. Um, Honestly, uh, if you have brakes but not grip, uh, or grip without brakes. <laughs> those are both what, what, those are both pretty bad situations <laughs> to find yourself in. I I'd, I'd take one of those over neither. <laughs> I guess that's fair enough. Anyway, so where where I'm going with this, Greg? Yes, Mario. Is that uh, I have some cross tubulars that I'm almost certainly not going to use this fall, and if you want to borrow some aluminum tubulars with fangos glued up to them, uh, and I also have some PDXs that are not glued to anything. And uh, maybe we can figure out how to do that. Hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe that that's very kind of you to offer. Maybe I'll end up in your neck of the woods and would want them anyway. So we'll see. All right, player. All right. We'll see. Can't can't uh, can't start making specific plans yet. But oh yeah, yeah, just on that, like I did end up. So at the end of um, last season, I bought some Reynolds Assault tubulars from. A teammate looking to basically swap out the free hub for an 11 speed free hub and have uh basically crit wheels for non-windy days you know what i mean because are, are the assault their aluminum rim no 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 no. this is the uh, uh kind of less expensive um mid-depth aero rim gotcha Car- carbon gotcha Sweet. and they're uh yeah. the you know they're an old the old v shape Mm -hmm. but they're 21 millimeters wide uh but anyway i money got tight and i didn't get around to getting them set up for road season but now i've got these additional carbon wheels sitting in my basement and i'm thinking um i've got i've got i've got extra tubulars i've got uh i got some tires (laughs) so they might get glued up yeah (laughs) For cross. You absolutely should. You absolutely should. Yeah, I think that's probably going to happen. So, that's cool. <laughs> I do need to do some work on them. Anyway, but yeah, so I've just been thinking about that. But we, we can move on. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll update everyone when we're actually getting closer to the season on, on how that's all going and what my plans and thoughts are. But, uh, yeah, so you're tired. You're in a hole. I, um, I, I actually went MTBing. Yesterday, on the 4th, this is the 5th, 
mm-hmm. with some friends. Just chilling because it's a rest week for me because I put myself in a little bit of a hole too. But I was just doing bass. I'm just doing bass. It's all about that bass. It's nice. It's a nice time of year to do bass. I'll tell you what, doing bass in the summer is actually kind of awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty nice. But yeah, I'm finally feeling more or less like myself again and getting excited to race bikes. So, and have been doing a little bit of that. Not super well, but you know. So tell why don't you tell me about this uh, hole you've been digging with the UCI cross race. I I keep seeing you've been on the, you've been gramming, you've been fabooking. Yeah, so I've spent I've spent like a lot of a lot of Fridays at at the track uh, all day Fridays because the the schedule of races this year wound up having for the uh, Enduro men three international omniums in the new format. Um, So most bike racers are probably familiar with the term omnium, just sort of generally meaning like a, a, a point scored tournament, right, as opposed to a stage race that's contested on time and omnium is accrued points. Uh, and the the track omnium um, is a a new format. Or well, let me just let me just give a little bit of context. So uh, most like club racing might refer to an omnium, generally speaking, as like a collection of whatever races are run that night, an overall winner, right? An overall uh, classification. Yeah. Um, based on points, not time. Um, the international omnium is a, the sort of competition standard event that's gone through a bunch of changes recently and we may have talked about it like a year or two ago or whatever yeah Uh, yeah. it it used to be a six event six events run over the course of two days and three of those events were time trials so it would be a scratch race an elimination uh a flying lap a kilo a points race and a pursuit I'm not sure if that was the order. So first, one of the things that they did was they changed it so that the points race was last. And so the points that you're accumulating in the points race are not points to determine the winner of the points race, but they're Omnium points that you're just accruing to add on to your total number of Omnium points. Mm-hmm. Right? So what's happening in the final race is the final standings are changing and are really apparently uh, up for grabs. That's great. That's cool. Um, the change that they made basically right after Rio was to turn the International Omnium into a one-day event with a morning session that has a scratch race and a tempo. A tempo is a race, or rather the International Omnium standard tempo is a race where there's one point available for each lap. Um, so, uh, scratch race and tempo in the morning, um, and then elimination and points race in the evening. Mm. Um, again with the points race accruing omnium points and you know i'm planning to do one of those at the national championships and so i was pretty excited for the opportunity to to do three uci international omniums uh at t-town over the past month um and and what i found is that they're hard oh huh so why is that um so I have most of my track racing experience on a 250-meter velodrome. Um, I've raced a bunch of other velodromes, but most of my experience is on a 250. On, at T-Town, on a 333, the fields can be much larger, right? So we've got 40 riders starting some races. Um, 
as opposed to 24, which is the max on a 250. Hmm. And the speeds can just be higher because the turns are so much gentler. Um, there's definitely a, a misunderstanding of non-trackies that tighter, steeper velodromes, steeper banking can accommodate um, higher speeds. But that's, that's really not the case. It's, it's really more gradual turns that can accommodate higher speeds. Yeah. So combine that with these big, really talented fields. You know, I mean, we've got national teams from... Mexico and Argentina and New Zealanders and Australians and some Austrians and we've got people from Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados and Great Britain uh, like you know people from all over the world really really talented people there like just going going really fast um it makes for two interesting challenges one is the speed right just the speed uh that's that's hard to handle when you're like racing for finishing places and for points and all of that. And then the bigger picture thing is that in these big, fast fields, um, for me, who's like a privateer and an opportunity hunter, it's hard to respond to good opportunities. Uh, it's hard to race against all these other mid-pack jabronis, you know? Like, uh, it, it took me a while to figure out scratch races in this field because we'd be going so fast for the last one or two kilometers and I'd have to figure out where to be so that these other mid-pack jabronis wouldn't sit up in front of me and open up gaps that, like, I can't, there, you know, I, I might be able to stick with the top 10 in a sprint, but I can't, like, close gaps to the top 10 yeah, yeah. with two laps to go, right? And And we're talking about, like, serious speeds. You know, I looked at some of my data and for, like, the last four minutes of a five-mile race, we averaged 34 miles an hour. Yeah. And that's fast. And, you know, we're talking about on single speed. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, we're jumping up to 38, 39 miles an hour to go with surges and sprinting at 40 or more. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm getting a top 10 if I'm lucky. Right? Like, that's my data. Yeah, yeah. And that's top 10. Yeah. So that's um, quick. Yeah, it's really freaking fast. We did, you know, 25-kilometer points race in under 29 minutes. How many kilometers was that? Sorry? 25. 25? Yeah. That's a long, so that's a long one, I feel like. That's, well, that's the, the shortest allowable uh, competition points race. At the UCI level. At the UCI level, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, yeah. the one time I, I did some track racing on the New England Velodrome, now the Northeast Velodrome. Now open again this summer. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I think we did a 6 or 12 lap points race. Uh, not points race. Yeah. Scratch race. So, you know, and that's on a Bouda. It's a weird, weird length track. Uh, I suppose I should probably get a track bike and go up there. But, like, I'm going to be honest. I don't see it happening this year. It's, you know, it can be hard to commit to a whole discipline, to, to the sort of regular time that you need to put into, into the, like time in a car in order to go to a facility yeah well that's the thing you know between like it is an hour ish away mm -hmm. under the best of certain maybe more like an hour and a half and like let's be honest right now as we said i'm doing my base um i am a cyclocrosser really yeah, you know and and you don't want to fritter away that time in the car like on you know wednesday yeah. afternoons or whatever it's yeah it's, you know, it's, we're in a similar situation of it being about 
about an hour and a half if we're lucky getting to t-town uh-huh. on a friday afternoon and it's like it's a it's a it's a drag but it's like a commitment that we've decided to make yeah and if it if it if it were something that we were just dabbling in and be like man screw that drive well you know and you you and heidi are both dedicated track racers you know you're really mm-hmm. put the time in and in in much the same way or or really more so i would say uh to you know the way i'm committed to cyclocross uh mm-hmm. so maybe you made the better bet in terms of having you know money to spend <laughs> on your discipline <laughs> but uh you know them's the breaks <laughs> the thing is that you had a velodrome nearby for a while and you didn't mm-hmm. and i didn't rather and uh yeah. i also turned out to be pretty good at cross so well that's that that's exactly the thing like you you turned out to be pretty good at cross i've ridden a cross bike with you and i've watched us like pedal the same pedals and then you just go faster through turns uh, I, like, for some reason, just wound up being good at track racing, and I'm not entirely sure why. I, I've said this on the program before. I put out so few watts, you know? And I, as I'm struggling in these UCI Omniums, I just sort of wanted to yell out to all these other people, like, you have no idea how few watts I can do. Like, this is good for me, man. You know? <laughs> like, as I'm, you know, I, I did put in a couple attacks and got, like, super swarmed, like, hard by... It, it was it was not a UCI race, but I, I attacked the finale of a of a race and just got swarmed and and chopped really hard by some sprinters. And I just wanted to say like, my threshold is this. It's only this. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not a big number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, a... I'm like I'm like proud of proud of what I can race with what I got. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Well, you know, neither of us are big humans, so uh you know, even even when the watts per kilo look good, uh <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 different because like watts per kilo doesn't matter for speed, like just watts do. Yeah, well watts per CDA, as they say. Watts yeah. watts to drag. Yeah. So, but either way, like you need watts to make speed. Yeah, but the problem is that you know when you're smaller, the uh, the surface area to volume ratio doesn't work in your favor in that case because mm-hmm. you've got more surface area per volume. Well, that means essentially that you've got more frontal area per mass, is what yeah. it amounts to. Uh, which means which means harder to make speed, and uh, and it means that we slow down faster. Yeah, yeah. That's why, why, despite being okay around turns, I don't actually descend all that fast. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm okay. Mm. Anyway, so that's, I'm, I've been excited to uh, kind of see you really dipping your toes into uh, some really high quality fields. Thanks. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I sort of wish that I had gotten the opportunity to have like a really kind of miraculous, like empty the tank ride or something, you know, just something that some little breakout but but when it came down to it i was just sort of following wheels and and trying to ride uh to get to the end and it it worked out okay you know the the first one the first event i i went into the points race 10th place and i wound up losing a lap during a really brutal sustained chase um and that that dropped me down to 18th overall right so nothing worth reporting and then the second one i i don't entirely remember what happened i, I think i remember a really a really aggressive points race where a lot of people who were behind me wound up scoring points. And so I dropped down to 16. Uh, and then in the, in the final one, the, the final of the three Omniums I did, I, I, I actually had like a disappointing first two races, the scratch and the tempo, mm-hmm. but I really figured out 
a, a good ride in the elimination. And while I didn't score a lot of points in the points race, I was still able to like maintain. And I wound up 12th overall, which like, you know, that was my, my sort of best result. And I'd, I'd worked on some stuff and, you know, there are ups and downs, but um, I'm content with that performance. I earned some UCI points. I, I, I learned recently that I'm uh, ranked 369th in the world in the men's Omni. Hey, you know what? Not bad. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. I'll take it. That's uh, <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out what my uh, <laughs> UCI cross ranking is this season, this coming fall. Actually, I don't think. I think that if you don't yeah. earn, I think if you don't earn UCI points, you don't even get a ranking. So, <laughs> right. And honestly, I mean, you're going to be racing in much bigger fields, right? Like I was racing in fields of of twenty five to forty. Uh, oh, I mean, that's the really, thing about, really different I mean, for you and cross. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing about. I mean, bike racing in general, or, or I guess track racing specifically, is is the really the discipline that is the most constrained when it comes to field size, even on these mm-hmm. huge 333 tracks. Uh, you only have up to 42, you said, uh, racers at uh, a time? I, you know, I, I don't know offhand the, the max for... Uh, um... The max for a three thirty three. Oh, but but twenty. It's tw- it's twenty four on a two fifty. Yeah, but it, it's but it's it's you know it's it's not a lot. Whereas in a you know even in the UCI cross races here in New England, because the sport's so big here, those fields will be um fifty, sixty, seventy deep, depending. Yeah, which is yep. enormous. Uh, and just getting like honestly, I would. What I would consider my season a great success if I could pull off at uh, Cycle Smart Northampton International. If I could pull off a top thirty in that race, <laughs> I'd be really yeah. pumped. You know, if I could yeah. get like twenty eighth place, um, yeah. that would be uh, very successful. So, and I'm not. And I'm I think it, I think it that. always yeah. matters to yeah to to you know think of your performance in terms of like I would like to get not drop and then you know mid pack and then like top 50 percent you know like i i i the team that i ran for a while like i Mm -hmm. I sort of based it around the idea of like all you have to do is want to get to the next step like whether it's winning an elite race or an upgrade or if it's i don't want to get dropped or if it's i want to contest the sprint you know like all those things matter just kind of looking for the next piece of success because you know an athlete's success isn't about saying okay i want to win this race next year and then they go out and do it it's it's saying i want to you know they put one foot in front of the other i want to complete these workouts i want to have a good month i want to you know it's it's their their more modest goals that turn like the the big goals are the results right you know what i'm saying yeah yeah for sure for sure and and you know in in cross it's harder especially in a really you know high quality uci field well i mean like even our i guess you would you wouldn't say that the c2 you know, field quality at Northampton is like super high by international standards, right? But like compared to the local elite races, it's really stacked. Um, yeah, huge, huge change in in field quality there. But you know, the, the opportunities for miracles are fewer in a sport that is. You know, there is some drafting and and. Uh, kind of chance and and whatever but you know it's much more of a straight out it's not a time trial but it's a lot closer to it than some other things yeah Uh, 
you know, than track. Or, you know, and of course, when you have uh, a much bigger field and, and you're relying partly on your uh, lottery, lottery draw, because if you're not ranked in the UCI cyclocross standings, um, you don't get, a, your call-up is randomly determined. So, yeah, you might be, you might be third row. You might be eighth row. So, anyway, yeah, well, yeah, and it's really <laughs> we we said this wasn't going to be a cross is coming, <laughs> yeah, uh, episode episode, but because it's it's July, I think that July is a time when a lot of people do start to it, it makes look at their cross bike longingly. I think people just want to wear long pants again they start to think about the fall mm. everybody likes transitions and you know july is when you start to stare down the barrel of the dog days of summer for a little while no it's true and and a few months of like training and racing routine is starting to get kind of heavy well it's that and and you know i think when you step back and think about it too it's it's not actually that far away when it comes to as we said you have to make you have to plan you know, mm-hmm. and so you know, last year when I was just super burnt out and tired of everything, in early July I couldn't. It was like whatever. But now I'm like, man, you know, the cross season starts in less than two months. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why, and and it's like I care this year. Like I am, I am pumped. I am, you know, right now I'm not very fast, but I'm. I believe I have a chance of getting to a good level, which is which is a nice feeling. Um, and so that really changes your perspective and you, you get excited, especially when it's like, like, you know, road is, is great and all, but you know, I'm not going to hit, right. I'd love to get my two on the road, but, but that's not happening this year. Um, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, it's like, you know, I want to have fun race bikes where it's like, I have a chance of hitting some, some good goals for this other thing. So, and the thing is when you have to like <laughs> get your two wheelers repaired cause you flatted them last year and you need to get some brakes and need to get your bike all set up and you need to start hitting the trails. You know, if you let that slip, all of a sudden it's three weeks before cross season and you don't have time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause these things take, takes time to glue tires. Takes time. All right, but we'll move on. So, uh, other people are racing bikes. There, there are people racing bikes who get paid to do it right now. In July, so we and we've we've opted not to do a Tour de France uh, preview mm. this year, mm. but we I, we are gonna sort of mull, mull over a little bit about what's to come, what's already happened, and some of the sort of significant uh, news from the tour that's happened this past <laughs> week. Because how like how can we not? I think I think uh, I think that the tour always in you know in the first week there's there's always some piece of drama. Sometimes large, sometimes small. That just gets people like clucking, and, and part of what that's about is the the sort of excitement and eagerness and potential of the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, um, but I do think that what happened this week is is going to be one of those sort of freak incidents that's going to be remembered. Yeah, and we're talking about, of course, this this crash between Sag and Cavendish that resulted in Sagan getting. The boot from the whole friggin' Tour de France. Yes. It's very shocking development. I'll never forget scrolling through my Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sagan, Peter Sagan, disqualified from Tour de France. Had to, had to read that one twice. Yeah. <laughs> what? And, 
And you you and I have like sort of kicked over some reactions to this on Twitter, and I think we you know we sort of came on the side of like you know attributing blame in a crash is a complicated thing that is uh, colored by people's biases and their interpretations of actions, uh, and it is both informed and complicated by high def super slow mo replay. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, because we have Because go go ahead. I, I where I'm going with this is like I watched it a few times and I was like, well that looked terrible. I can't believe Saga threw that elbow. And then I watched it a few more times and I was like, oh, he didn't throw an elbow. They just crashed. And then I watched it a few times and I was thinking like it's not that he shut the, the like I don't know, just the more I watched it the more I had changing opinions about it and that makes me sort of regret him being thrown out of the whole tour. And 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 I criticize that as an action. <laughs> UCI commissaires take note of some guy on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not to say that, like, I think he did know. Or, like, I don't I think there are some crashes that aren't about who did the wrong thing. I think sometimes bike racing is a game of chicken. And the people who cause them are not necessarily the people who experience the... I don't know. It's just complicated. Yeah, well, you know, I think that what I said on on Twitter, because and uh, everybody take note of how smart I am. Um, <laughs> but what I said is, you know, in both bikes and in life, the right take is not always... But often, things are complicated and it's hard to know what's right. You know? Yeah. Um, and that is not... I don't even want to say that, like that's not a popular view, but, I, you know, it's... Polemica are helped by having a really cut-and-dried perspective on a situation. Um, right. When, hell to die on yeah yeah you know and and that's what the that's what the hot takes are all about but um and I, and i and i think it's really interesting to see like the takes of the people who are in that race right so like first cavendish said i don't get it i like sagan as a guy he's gonna have to explain that elbow and sagan like immediately went over to the dimension data bus and apologized and then you know they're, they're coming out of it a day later being like, yeah, we like we we talked about it. It's it's cool. Like we're friends. Things happen in sprinting. You know, like they don't as as much as I think it would be entertaining for them to both be like, look, we'll settle this score next July, bro. Pistols at dawn, dawn of next July. Um, yeah, like they're they're actually both grown ass adults who are who are not doing that. Which which makes the. Which makes the, the sort of blaming of Sagan or Cavendish for this on the internet doubly ridiculous. Though I will say that most of the conversation has shifted from whose fault was it to is it appropriate for the UCI to have taken this drastic action considering the significant gray area the incident lies in. Yeah, and then you get the um, the conspiracy theories about how, well, Dimension Data is a sponsor of the tour de france or how brian cookson's nephew works at dimension data 
uh, Brian Cookson, the president of the UCI. Uh, you know, so there's now all these. Yeah. Uh, uh, the yeah, the polemic is is shifting to to the UCI or the ASO. But I mean, it should be clear. Probably, I, I hope that um, I do not know if the ASO. Sorry, um, not everyone who listens might be as deep in, in cycling nerdery to know that ASO is the organization that owns and promotes the Tour de France. Um, so I don't know anyway if 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 the ASO um, uh, in somehow influences said decisions. Um, I I don't think so. It is it is the UCI officials who make that call. Uh, also, one of the things that has come out is that the head referee or head judge uh, at the Tour de France is kind of widely considered among the best in the sport. Um, so th- there's all these interesting, you know, if you're if you think that such things are interesting, there's there's a lot of dimensions to argue about and uh, a lot of reasons to say, oh, this is terrible, or oh, well, they did the right thing, and to ask why. And I I don't know how much of that we're going to do because I think having both you know both of us having watched the gifts, and uh, uh, I actually haven't watched the stage live at all, but having seen the gifts and you know the Zapruder esque replays uh <laughs> over and over again it's not very clear exactly what happened uh and it seems quite likely that Sagan did do something inappropriate without the intent to cause danger exactly what sort of the precise um scope of the inappropriateness and how dangerous it was is up for some degree of debate, I I guess. And a lot of people are unhappy with the decision that the, that the judges came to. And that's kind of all there is to it. It's, you know, life will go on. I saw some people saying, well, screw you as ASO. I'm not watching your tour anymore. You know, how can you throw out the, you know, best thing in cycling this you know it's like all you've got going for you is peter sagan and i'm like eh, you know i hear you but that's a little overheated i think like people like the I mean, tour is, is the tour right there is though and we can get to this the giro rosa is happening and there's some friggin' amazing racing going on in italy yeah but before we get into that like i, I want to touch on sort of uh why it kind of bums me out that you know cav is out with a broken shoulder and mm. sagan is out with this tenuous call is because i think that this is the best sprint field we've seen in a grand tour in a while yeah i mean we've got so there were three sprints in the first four stages and we had three different winners right kitzel won the bunch sprint on uh stage two um Sagan won the sort of uphill kicker over Michael Matthews on stage three. Mm-hmm. And then Arnaud DeMar, who's had an amazing year and a half, uh, won this very hectic and chaotic uh, stage four sprint. Right. But we also have Andre Greipel, who's won, you know, a jillion Grand Tour stages. He's um, won a he's won a stage in the Tour de France every year since, what, 2011 or something? Yeah, something like that. Like it's a um, pretty impressive record. Cavendish has won 30 stages. <laughs> Sagan has won five consecutive green jerseys. Yeah. 
We've got John Degenkolb and Alexander Kristoff, who are both like star classics sprinters, right? And then we've got a bunch of extremely capable freelancers. Dylan Gronewagen, Sonny Cabrell, not freelancers, but, you know, kind of like B-level sprinters who can get up there. Gronewagen, Cabrelli, Ben Swift. Uh, I hate Nasser Buhani, but he's on that list. Um, it's just like... It's it's a Michael Matthews. It's a it's a freaking great field. Uh, I think you mean Bling Matthews. No, <laughs> I am not gonna dignify <laughs> him with that nickname. Sorry, that was deliberately pushing your buttons. <laughs> that was not kind. <laughs> um, I know how you feel about that name. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what's funny is um, it seems like. Every year for the last five years, we've been saying, oh, man, we're in a golden age of sprinting. And it just keeps like it, it isn't. It, it, we haven't peaked yet, you know. That's what's crazy about it. I just I think that there have always been. uh, There there have often been years when like one person is dominant at the tour. Mm-hmm. In field sprints, right? So like. Sagan has done all this green jersey stuff because he's like getting a lot of podiums and because he like keeps sprinting for points and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, while like you know your Greipel or your Cav goes to the auto bus, um, but but there are years when you know Greipel wins a bunch of stages, Cav wins an uncomfortable number of stages, or when Kittel is good, he just wins a bunch of stages. But I feel like right now there there are a lot of people who are extremely fast and extremely capable, and there are a lot of really strong teams and lead out squads and it's going to be anything goes yeah although right now you know maybe damar is emerging as uh as the guy he was second on stage two and first on stage four we'll Could see be. well and and also you know it's interesting that we have you sort of have these different types that you can slot the sprinters into right and we have kind of a bunch of different sprinters in each category which is cool like we have the kind of really strong uphill kickers like Matthews and Sagan. We've got mm-hmm. the the guys with just huge speed, uh, like Kittle is most notice, notable for that. I think Andre Greipel kind of falls into that category as well. You know, there's overlap mm-hmm. too, right? You've got the you've got the sprinters who are able to get over some hills and climbs. Uh, you know, Demar is one of those guys. I'd say Greipel has a pretty good ability when it comes to that. Um you know, you have the guys who um, are extremely capable, uh, well, freelancers, as you say, who can really pick their way, you know, through complicated and dicey finishes. And, and you know, Cavendish typically has been one of those guys. Uh, Sagan, definitely one of those guys. So there's a there's sort of a variety of roles, and you have, you know, with some overlap, you know, multiple competing sprinters in, in those categories that can make any, any finish that has the potential to be a sprint interesting and uh at the same time you know i guess the the criticism or 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 the what you might see as the negative of that is that when you get these kind of weird funky stages it's it's not some surprise random winner right now it's uh it's some big name mhm and so to that effect like I, you know the the tour does plan routes in order to sort of create the kind of race that they want mm-hmm. 
right that the ASO wants and and this tour you know has uh very little time trialing they've got some they've got a long first week before the rest week and uh you know we saw uh the the first climb uh up to uh to the finish on stage five up to planche de belfi yeah um a fabio aru one and then you know in the in weeks two and three there, there's sort of these chunks of like two back-to-back days um that include uh you know there there are a couple stages in there that are pretty short you know stage 13 has like three cat one climbs in 100 kilometers and like that's the stage and so it kind of seems like they're sort of going for the this slightly less predictable fatigue and recovery and uh they're trying to create a dynamic race. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should um, wrap up our tour discussion. Uh, maybe we'll just have a quick little, little bit of punditry predicting kind of how the GC will go. Uh, first, I think that we should take a break so that you can tell us about Health IQ, uh, who are sponsoring us once again. Yes, uh, the Honest Bicycle Program is supported by Health IQ, which is a life insurance company that uh, celebrates health-conscious people uh, and lifestyles, including cyclists. Uh, so you, you should uh, visit healthiq.com slash program to learn more. You can get a free quote. Um, you can check out their life insurance FAQ page to answer some questions. They do some really uh, cool stuff. They do sort of exclusive rates, you know, this sort of tailored programs for athletes. Um, athlete-friendly measurement uh, that sort of accommodates some of the unique physiology of athletes, body mass index, resting heart rate, stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's just briefly note, I mean, most insurance companies will ding you for things like a low resting heart rate or things like having a high BMI. But, of course, Health IQ knows that, for you know, if you're like a, uh, an athlete who's very muscly and big, you might have a high BMI, but you'd but be in excellent health. Or that if you're an endurance athlete, you might have a low resting heart rate and actually be in excellent condition. So, yeah, that's the kind of things and they also, about. yeah, and they also uh, they take extra measures to address low carb dieters, which you know traditional providers don't consider and don't cover. So, um, you know, they're 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 collecting data on people like us and offering programs for people like us. So. Visit healthiq.com slash honest bicycle program. Get that free quote. Uh, check them out. Yeah, thanks. All right, so what do you think about, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? What, what's your kind of capsule summary of how the Tour de France goes, GC-wise? GC-wise, I see Chris Froome putting a stamp of authority on it uh, fairly early. He, he's taken yellow today uh and then you know quite frankly i i see a fairly boring gc battle as as people get fatigued and become unable to launch attacks and Froome holds on for two weeks that's interesting i'm I'm actually gonna make a sort of a different prognostication rap at me bro yeah i i think that uh i think there's the potential for a very dynamic gc fight because I think that there's a sense that Froome is more vulnerable this year mm. than he has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, he is still the favorite. Uh, I, I'd still say your best money is on Froome winning 
the overall, but I think uh, guys like uh, Port or even Aru or or even Dan Martin ha- are are going to be really taking swings at him. He didn't. I... We saw the we saw the finish to Les Planches de Belfi uh, today, and he he did not look dominant. Uh, it's a short climb. You know, we will see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think people are going to and, and, and I Froome is such a great, as we saw last year, bike racer who has really expanded his toolkit that, you know, I, I do think that uh, I would bet on him carrying it off. But I would, I would say by a much smaller margin than he has previously. Yeah, I think that that's, that's entirely possible. And I, I would certainly love to see that come to pass. Um, I think that there are a few people who I was hoping would sort of help cause a little bit of trouble that seem to have already resigned themselves to stage hunter status. Um, Pierre Roland, Thibaut Pinot, and Balka Malama have already just hemorrhaged time. Um, but yeah, Dan Martin and Fabio Aru are looking terrific. They're, Martin is obviously a, a terrific all-around bike racer. He's never really ran too hard at a general yeah he's he's a little untested uh, as far as actually making a run at the gc in a race mm-hmm. this long yeah but then you know fabio aru uh he's done well in a couple grand tours before and then he's also really smoked the ham um before so you know maybe with his stage win today we're seeing a, a maturing from him and then i'm i'm always hoping for big things from uh, i i think the sort of Exciting guys in there are uh, Louis Meinches, Rafael Mica, um, who's who's likely to target the mountains classification. Yeah, I would say general. so. Yeah, um, and uh, and even Simon, little Simon Yates. He'll ride high. One of the things that has been more successful in in recent tour uh, tours de France was retooling the mountain points classification, such that you really do need to be reasonably high up there in the GC. Uh, mm-hmm. to to have a serious run at it, or more that making a run at it brings you high in the GC. Um, mm-hmm. So it's you know seems to be it, it it seems to be a competition that people who are actually climbers have been winning lately. Yeah, and I uh, you know obviously Nairo Quintana's in there, and I, I think he's a huge question, right? He's finished on the podium of every tour that he's done. Every uh, every Tour de France he's done, mm-hmm. and I think you know everyone's waiting for him to sort of finally beat Chris Froome, and uh, you know he raced the Giro and finished second there um, to Tom Dumoulin by a handful of seconds earlier this year. And so the big question is about his form and his fatigue. Yeah. Um, he he lost fourteen seconds on today's climb, and it's uh, that's also kind of ordinary for him. You know he's not. He's not one of those uh, really, really perfect bike racers who wins a bunch of stages, never loses time, and gains it at every opportunity. He, uh, he's got this sort of old school thing where he, you know, tends to be better on the second day than on the first, and loses time on the the first summit finish, and kind of rides into a three week Grand Tour. Yeah, I, and that's by the and way, and maybe that's why he's gotten a lot of seconds and thirds. Uh yeah, well I mean I think that's also because I think I think physiologically he for a modern grand tour doesn't really have the same snappiness um and that that you know a lot of the con- big contenders do and really seems to do well as things get kind of longer and harder over time. 
Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's been it's been remarked before if the, if the Tour de France were four weeks long, he would have won already. Um, <laughs> he'd but, have won. He'd have won several tours. Yeah, but but it's not. So, uh, I I mean, I think um, the thing that is assuming Chris Froome wins, which I think is still most likely, like I said. The thing that's going to carry him to the win this year is not having just just this vast edge in form over his competitors. It's it's going to be that just killer bike racing instinct that he clearly has. That he's been you know he did he did very well obviously in the opening time trial and has is just shown um, that he is not very vulnerable to losing time at kind of crucial moments and splits that. You know, and whether that's due, you know, I'm sure that's due partly to his team, but it's partly him. Yeah. And, you know, killer bike racing, I think, is definitely going to come into play. There are very few summit finishes this tour. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more really heavy climbing days where the finish is up and over a big climb and then 10K later. Yeah. And so, like, I I think that that's... And those are often the kind of most tense and interesting stages, um, I think. That, That... yeah, they're they're tense and interesting, and they also wind up with people having to work really hard for small time gaps. Yes, yes, they're much more. You know, for yeah. twenty seconds, thirty seconds, yeah. even if it was a minute at the top. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that. All right, so um, we should. So you you wanted to tell me, or you wanted to talk a little bit about this other uh, professional uh, bicycle race that's going on weirdly at the same time as the Tour de France. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I will say, if, if if there's anybody who is saying, all right, Sagan's out, I'm done with the Tour de France, you should be watching the Giro Rosa, which is incredible bike racing going on. It, it, it's the it's the longest women's stage race, I believe, mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. What I want to say? Yeah, nine stages. Uh, nine stages. And, you know, we're, we're already at stage six. Um, but there's been some really killer racing, including a time trial that took a lot of people by surprise because it had this absurdly steep pitch in it like 30 percent that was not apparent on the profile this is a thing uh, with italian races and profiles and the giro rosa is is infamous for publishing stage profiles that just bear essentially no relationship to the actual parkour <laughs> <laughs> that it'll look like a, yeah. a like a flat stage and it'll be you know what they would call a medium mountain stage um with just all these rolling heavy hills yeah and so so anamig van vluten crushed that one somehow because i think it killed everybody um and and anna van der breggen uh is in the lead of the general classification and if you remember those two names um if you're not perhaps such a big fan of women's cycling you may remember them from uh the olympics uh anna van der breggen won the gold medal anamig van vluten was the rider who crashed on the descent um yeah and I, I think one of the things i like about women's racing is that there tend to be uh the same players going after a lot of the races all season long um and you know in 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 men's racing you've got your classics riders who kind of separate out into the like the early classic season the later classic season the cobble guys the ardennes classics and then there are like a few people who remember the fall classics and those are totally separate from your like week-long stage race guys and then your grand tour riders which also separate out into like your actual like tour of france people and then your Mm -hmm. giro and vuelta people right which it's there are a lot of different classes of riders 
And in women's racing, uh, there there are so many great riders right now, um, and a lot of them go after one day races. And they go after small stage races, and they go after big stage races, and they can all climb in time trial, right? Yeah, that it's that it's just really exciting, and it kind of reminds me of like the heyday, the sort of you know golden era of of men's cycling when you know Eddie Merckx, this classic star, is also winning Grand Tours. Yeah, right. That that all rounders are play a much more significant role, and there's not the intense deviated specialization going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, we also have Corinne Rivera uh, of the USA, totally crushing it. I actually don't think she's won a stage. I think she's gotten second in a bunch, mm-hmm. but she's doing really well for my Velo Games team, yeah. and that's great. Good. Thanks, Corinne. Thanks, Velo Games, for you know having uh, women's races. I think that's absolutely a, that's a great move for I think driving engagement. You know, I mean, if you're the kind of nerd who's already going to play that, then you know you might take a closer interest if you can play. A Velo Games race uh, for the women's race as well as for the men's races. And and here's what I love about Velo Games. I don't. It doesn't. It's not a, a thing that requires a ton of skill. It's not like you know other fantasy sports where you have starting lineups. Really, you just you pick a squad, and then you sit back and you hope that they accrue points. And <laughs> uh, and and you talk smack with your friends, right? Yeah. Like that's how, sort of how I interact with a handful of my friends. We all do Velo Games, and we just you know get in way over our head with smack talk um and which there are a lot of opportunities for it because really the be- the best way to win is a sort of go big or go home strategy where you you pick like long shots that aren't absurd you know it sort of requires a precise set of circumstances happening but if that happens it's going to pay off big time because nobody else will have thought of that yeah this year I'm playing it safe, and like I picked Froome and Sagan as my like big uh, cost riders, and obviously that's not going out. So someone, right someone who uh, picked unex- you know, there's going to be someone out there who picked like Dan Martin and um, I don't know, yeah, Demar uh, <laughs> and and uh, oh geez, I don't even know uh, Pierre Latour or whatever who didn't pick they were like oh, i'll pass on sagan i'll pass right or, or or like or like somebody who you know costs six points who is gonna like be in that first that first breakaway that gets like you know 15 minutes and stays away yeah right and then winds up wearing yellow for like a week and a half yeah yeah that's gonna i mean that's you know and and basically someone is going to be real excited for having picked a team that is just crazy <laughs> yeah yeah so but or or, or maybe or maybe chris room will actually have it on lockdown and we'll see you know and it'll be boring but it seems like the giro rosa is very very difficult to predict i mean things just blew apart apparently on stage three it was a total shake-up and um yeah it's tough I, yeah i don't know i don't know uh yeah we've got all kinds of winners like i haven't heard of the winner of uh today's stage i, I didn't even know who she was lotto lapisto like how much Lapisto? Yeah, a lot of Lapisto. <laughs> a lot of Lapisto. <laughs> yeah, she's she's been sort of nibbling around there. Has gotten some other good results. Yeah. Um, and uh, out sprinting Corinne Rivera and Georgia Bronzini is uh, no small feat. Yeah, that's a yeah heck of that's a hell of a podium. So, 
had to upgrade my uh intensifier <laughs> had to deep out the rise so yeah you, sh- you should be if you want exciting I, 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 sh- I should i should take my own advice honestly um these days i just i'm let me tell you i'm busy i do not follow a lot of pro cycling c- closely you know i i follow the tour because it is as i said earlier the tour is the tour um it's sort of hard not to but um I yeah, it's, much it's, of anything. it's it's tough to sink to sink a whole month into the like I'm gonna pay attention to something all morning and follow the tactical developments of each stage. It's tough. Yeah, well, yeah, because it also the 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 times when you kind of want to tune in for like a really great Saturday morning stage too. It helps to know all the other stuff that's going mm. on, and you can't necessarily rely on your commentators to provide you with the important backstory. No, no. And honestly, I, you know, I've got a big boy job now. And um, whereas for the last couple of years, it's been no big deal to essentially have it, the stage going like on an iPad while I sort of worked <laughs> in the background. That's, that's not an option. <laughs> that's not an option now. Uh, so, you know, I gotta, I gotta really be engaged with my, my job. So then there's the evening, but Hey, I'm training. Oh, well, there's... And, and then I get home when I'm tired and need to make dinner. And then there's the weekend, but, oh, I'm, you know, have a bike race to go to, or I need to just go ride my bike for four hours. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's... Boy, adulting, man. There's just not enough summer. There's just not enough there's summer. Really and you want to say cross is coming? Oh, if we could stretch God. this out for a while, I'd be a happy camper. Yeah, man, all, all of that stuff. It's like I, I barely have room in my brain for for all these things because i i mean i i no longer can just like think of these things right i have a i have like a checklist here in my apple notes app about all the things i need to do to prep my cross bike there are many there are many (laughs) things on this list i need to buy shoes like in the next week or two i've already i've already ordered my uh, thermal skin suit nice yeah we do you're 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 getting there i'm getting there i'm getting there I gotta, gotta, gotta replace, like I said, those clapped out old shoes, and, uh, yeah, gotta plan on, uh, getting my wheels ready, all that stuff, it's just a lot, I've gotta, I've gotta tear down some bikes and recable them, it's work, yeah. it's work, I need to clean up my workshop, my basement is a disaster. Oh god, dude, I wanna, I wanna design your basement into a great bike shop, I mean, I want to do that to my own, I don't <laughs> have room for it. So I, I would like to live somewhere where I could just design a really great, beautiful storage and training and workspace. I have, I, yeah. I mean, so I have a, I actually, uh, we can close out soon, but I, I have a legit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> I, I have a legit problem with my basement right now, which is that um, there are 10 bikes in it and and it's an issue. And it's not like, wow, dude, you have 10 bikes. Your life must be incredible. It's like, no. Because I'd say, like, three of them are my various race bikes. Um, I sound like a jerk when I say that. <laughs> and I think our listeners understand. Yeah, three of them are my various race bikes, and, like, one of them is my sweetie's bike. Um, so there's, like, four bikes that are kind of, like, our bikes. And then I've got three just beat up old bikes in at various kind of degrees of disrepair that i need to put cheap old like 
some real cheap parts on and fix them up and flip them. And I've got, um, uh, I've got like my sister's bike and another bike that is like my brother's girlfriend's bike that she gave to my sister when they went to Spain that I'm cannibalizing for parts. And, <laughs> you got some extra crap around. And I've got like a, yeah, and I've got a, a mountain bike I'm borrowing um, that I'm giving back on Monday. So it's like I've got all these bikes in the basement and yeah it's a it's a mess <laughs> not to mention i've got like uh this whole pile of of because i just haven't or, or organized it so i've got like a pile of like old grody tubulars but there's also maybe some good tubulars in there and like some old clinchers and like uh inner tubes that are like is this a good tube or does it have a hole in it somewhere <laughs> oh yeah yeah I know, I know all about this stuff, man. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I ya. need to devote like a weekend afternoon to that. Maybe Saturday. I'll, yeah, you got this. Yeah, I'll go down there with a beer and start organizing. Get at it. Oh, I'll buy. I'll buy some pegboard. I. I mean, I have some spending money oh, now. Oh yeah, dude, pegboard. Oh man, pegboard's dope. Pegboard is awesome. I should do that. I should definitely do that. Just just buy some pegboard and like a bunch of hooks, like hundreds of hooks. Yeah, they're cheap. They're cheap, and it's like some wood, you know. Yeah, some wood. Just get some one by fours and uh, make whatever you need out of it. That sounds that sounds like a good idea. You got this. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Your basement okay? Is a little better than mine. Do you have a basement? I have a basement. It's really, it's really small. Mm. Um, How is so it on the, the spider ta- front, though? Uh, unlike two basements ago, very few spiders. I haven't seen any spiders. There could be ones that are hiding, but I have not. Uh, it has not required me to vacuum up <laughs> the spiders mm-hmm. and then let them loose in a terrifying plague of spiders outside. Okay, I just was—I just wanted to. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to get a spider check in, but go on. Oh, no, it's cool. Yeah, I—I I appreciate. I, I appreciate the emotional support on the spider front. <laughs> but yeah, I have—I have a small basement, so there are a bunch of bikes. I do have, a, you know, a small workspace, but it can't really let me like spread out and like light it well. Um, I can't really set up a very good training setup. The the ceiling's really low. Mm. Um, all of this stuff is possible, but everything is just like modular, so stuff really just needs to be moved around a lot. Yeah, yeah. You've seen my basement. So it's... I've seen your basement. On, you got you got so much room to play with, man. Like, uh, kind of on a fractional basis, how many of my basements is your basement? Like... Like, is it is it eight-tenths of a my basement? Is it one-half of a eight, my basement? I, like, one quarter. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I am... You know, my basement overfloweth, it must be said. So. so, actually, right now my basement does overfloweth, and that is kind of a problem. But yours probably overflows much sooner than mine. Not with literal water, that would be terrible. Uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, that would be extremely bad. That is not, that is not a problem. Okay. Uh, I don't know, you got anything? All right, bruh. All set? 
Now we're at the end. People need to start doing their intervals now. All right, you guys. Before, yeah, seriously, you got to start pedaling hard. There's, there's really no getting around it. Pedal hard. Look, before we go, uh, I think I want to tell you all that we're part of the Wide Angle Podium Network. You know, Wide Angle Podium Network, uh, a place where awesome shows and podcasts about cycling and, and related things can be found. There's shows like We Got to Hang Out and Crosshairs Radio and the Dirtfield Recordings. Have you been listening? You don't listen to podcasts. Do you? I intended to. I just I don't get around to it. My commute is so short. Yeah. It's six and a half minutes long. Yeah. You, can't, you can't listen to podcasts while you work or something? I could. I I have done that more than once. Yes. Yeah. Well, you should listen to you should listen to Jervial recordings. It's Lindsay Bear. It's great. I would like to. I uh, admire Lindsay Bear. I'd like to listen to the Jervial. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She's pretty sweet. Um, I mean, I don't mean like sweet in the sense of like, oh, how sweet. I mean, maybe she is. I don't know. But uh, I mean, like, awesome and rad. Um, yeah. You don't mean that to be like, oh, here's this like condescending cutifying term for a woman and that's how i regard her right yeah 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 definitely not um in fact i think she is probably much more of a badass than i could ever hope to be and she's got a great uh great little podcast and oh boy there's a supposedly myerson's gonna do more myerson line at some point maybe talk about masters nationals i don't know uh there's the oh slow ride podcast basically there's all these great shows and we've got a lot of listeners across the network and you know we we have health iq really supporting the whole network which is amazing but you know we got to convert more of uh you listeners into supporters you know without without you without you this isn't possible uh and it you know really means the world uh to get even even a pittance in support you know keep the keep the pennies rolling in uh, make it a little bit easier to do things like pay for, you know, for for Spencer to pay for the the server space and for us to do things like get microphones and uh, make stickers that we can give out and all that kind of fun stuff. So so go on over to wideanglepodium.com slash donate, become a member, and uh, yeah, help us out. We're going to be doing more of a drive soon. We're doing a membership drive soon, but there's no reason you can't get ahead of that support it get on it yeah get on we're it. also uh continuing to work on some premium content oh i swear to god it is coming i promise so dope. i promise i'm i feel terrible i've been very busy i am so we sorry have, we will i mean no it's okay you don't need it with the protestation we have a piece of content coming and we've got more planned it's gonna be so dope it's gonna be so dope it's gonna be so dope there's there's actually i see a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of being swamped with everything so um I hope I hope when I say it's soon this time that it legitimately is soon. Uh, so yeah, we'll see you soon on that. Uh, all right, I think that's it for the night. I'm gonna go sit on my couch. I'm gonna I'm gonna chill out and uh, totally sweet. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. And I hope that uh, you know whether you're on your couch or on your bike or on your way to work or home that you know you've enjoyed hanging out with us. I, me too, I also hope that. Alright. Thanks for joining us. Next time. <laughs>